Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Presenting Lieutenant William Holden and Army Air Force personnel in name, rank, serial number, with Walter Houston as cavalcade commentator on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. Good evening, this is Walter Houston. Cavalcade play, name, rank, serial number, is a story adapted from the Army Air Force's training zone resisting enemy interrogation. Not long ago, I had the opportunity to visit the Army Air Force motion picture unit in Culver City, California, where these films are made. Their AAF film technicians work day and night turning out films to teach men what others have learned from bitter experience. Much of this work is a military secret. Tonight's story about the Nazi interrogation center for captured American Air Force teams is told for the first time to you. We are privileged to have with us some of the officers and men from the Army Air Force's motion picture unit who helped make this film. The DuPont Company presents Lieutenant William Holden as narrator, Private Kent Smith, Sergeant James C.A., John Beale, Captain Bay, Charles Cannon, and Corporal Arthur Kennedy. In name, rank, serial number, on the Cavalcade of America. To all captured American flyers is extended this invitation. Welcome, gentlemen, to Dula Gluch. Germany. Dulag Luft, where American air crews are brought in for questioning, where Nazi intelligence officers gather bits of information which, when put together, tell them the story of future Allied operations. That is, if the members of the crew talk, if they reveal anything but name, rank, and serial number. Yes. The plane crashed yesterday, Captain Oyling, in northern Italy, a B-99. He kept it for the crew, but they had thoroughly destroyed what was left of their plane. They had been interrogated, Major von Pink? Not yet. But I have this preliminary report. One is wounded and is in the hospital. Then we have the pilot, Captain Spencer, a highly intelligent type. A co-pilot, Lieutenant Williams, also intelligent, but more easygoing. And the Mason, Master Sergeant. The overconfident type is not as quite as clever as you think. And that is all we have to go on. No personal papers, clothing labels, not a scratch. And I'm sure that not one of these men has any complete information concerning activities against us. Here's what information they have, we'll get. And you. And we'll start with Captain Spencer. Captain Spencer. 
has been laid. The characters are ready. And now the play begins. A play of patience, skill, and cunning. Cigarette, Captain Spencer? No, thank you, Major Von Bent. It is here, Cigarette. is good for the nerve, Captain. I, I'm glad to see you are an excellent shape. I know what a strain these low-level bombing missions are. I had a chat with another B-99 crew from your home base, I believe. Of course, it is, isn't it? My name, sir, is James N. Spencer. I rank as Captain. My serial number is 02469310. Mm-hmm. I just see you misunderstand me. You are not being cross examined Captain. Let me assure you, I have no plans that do not conform to the rules of Geneva Convention. Brian? Oh, Herr Mauer. I beg pardon, Major. I understand the American air crewmen have arrived. When may I see them? The commander happens to be right here, Herr Mauer. Uh, Captain Spencer? This is Herr Mauer, the International Red Cross representative here. How do you do, sir? Happy to see you safe from south. Thank you, sir. We were lucky. Uh, Captain, I have brought you the form, the regular Red Cross form for all American prisoners of war. Mind sitting it out? Uh, maybe by your pen, Thanks. This uh, form goes to America? It's sent to the nearest Red Cross headquarters and forwarded to our American bank. Oh. There you are, Herr Mauer. Uh, the other items, Captain, have the city. Name, rank, serial number. It's all filled out. But don't you see, you write your base address here, your unit number here. Amnesia, Herr Mauer. It's very bad. All I seem to remember is my name, my rank, my serial number. Aren't you being unduly suspicious, Captain? Those items merely see to it that you receive your mail properly and that your base and your parents are informed you safe. Well, it's very odd, sir, because according to the Geneva Convention, just my name, my rank, and my serial number will take care of that. To tell you the truth, I've never seen a form like that before. Captain, I'm afraid you are what we call the uncooperative type of prisoner. So, Captain Spencer can be tossed off the list. Tell me, Mr. Fontaine, suppose every one of these men is as alert as Spencer. What then? Then I shall have wasted my time, really. Now, you uh, better get busy with Lieutenant uh, Williams. He's our next man. Yes, sir. If you can only find out where they came from and what kind of mission they were on. There are other things just as important, Captain. Matters, for example, which they have great propaganda value for. Facts about civilian morale in America. A word about economic conditions there. Just as there is no such thing as an innocent question, there is no such thing as a valueless statement. Just as there is no such thing as an innocent question, there is no such thing as a valueless statement. Keep this thought in mind as we drop in next on Lieutenant Williams' prison quarters in the west wing of Dulaglu. Come in. You are Lieutenant Williams, aren't you? Yes. I'm Captain Williams, Lieutenant. I want to check on your hand. Yes. Could be any trouble? It's not serious, Captain. Only a slight burn. Mm. Still, you better have the doctor look at it. I'll take you to his office now. Uh, cigarette? <laughs> no, no, go on. They're not poisoned. Oh, American brand, huh? It's a very thoughtful touch, Captain. Like? Yes, I'm glad I was thoughtful enough to stock up. You see, I practically grew up on these things. 
You practically grew up on the American language, too, didn't you? Well, I lived in America most of my life. Until the war, that is. You're from Boston, aren't you, Lieutenant? Well, how did you... No, there's nothing mysterious about it. That's one accent you can't miss. Accent? Oh, you should hear Cole. Cole? Yes, a kid in the hospital. He's from the South. He's got a drawl a mile long. Oh, really? Where's he from? Alabama? Oh, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Sergeant, call Dr. Muir at the hospital immediately. Tell him that Sergeant Cole is from Atlanta, Georgia. Just a slip of the tongue. An insignificant and obviously unimportant bit of information. But enough to start the wheels rolling for German intelligence. Let us follow up this bit of information to the hospital room where an attractive blonde nurse is gently putting the finishing touches on Sergeant Cole's shoulder jacket. Now, that is better, hmm? Hurts a little. It hurts a little, I know. It's a bad doctor. Cigarette? Please, it is all right. Take it. I do not know if it is. How do you say it's your favorite brand? But it is all I could locate. Well, I know. The Americans, a cigarette means a great deal to them. In all your stories, there's always so much smoking. You read American stories? I used to. As many as I could get. My favorite, though, it will always be from Winsfeld. Oh, I reckon I don't know about that. Eh? Oh, of course you do. You only know the other name for it. Gone with the wind. Well, how do you like that? You read that? Uh-huh. The city in that book, what is it called? Oh, yes, Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. You've seen it, perhaps. You've been there? Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. It's quite a bit different than it was in the book, but it's the same. It's wonderful. Well, someday, maybe, when this horrible war is over, maybe I will go there. Oh, Oh, I almost forgot. You must fill out your Red Cross form. Or rather, I must fill it out. A Red Cross form? Yes, usual form for all prisoners of war. It simply ensures you're receiving your mail. And it says that your parents are notified to your change. Now, your name? Ralph Cole. Mm-hmm. The rank? Staff Sergeant. And your serial number? Uh, one, two. One, two, seven. Five, eight, five. Five, eight, five. And the unit? My unit? Well, is that all right to do? Oh, yes. It's a regular part of the form. See here. Here are forms filled out by some of the other boys here. Rank, serial number, unit, mm-hmm. date. Okay. Just the 950th medium bombardment group. And the date? The 12th Air Force Heavy Bombardment Base at Naples, Italy. Naples, Italy. That's fine, Ross. And now... <laughs> I think you'd better have some sleep. You're quite sure you're comfortable? Comfortable? <laughs> Look, for the past three weeks, I've been living in one tent with eight other guys. That only gives you some idea. One tent? That surprises me. You know, I always thought the American Air Force had far better accommodations for its men than Germany. Oh, they do, all right. It's just that we sort of moved into Naples in a hurry. They won't set up for us here. Oh, but before that, it was not so bad. <laughs> That's right. Back in Tunisia, there was only six to a tent. I see. 
Well, that was almost luxury, wasn't it? <laughs> that was living. But there, there's a woman. We are making progress, Captain Weaning. So? According to this information, Sergeant Cole gave his nerve. Three weeks ago, the 950th Medium Bombardment Group moved to the 12th Air Force Heavy Bombardment Base at Naples, Italy. Ah. But it's more, the accommodations were most inadequate. Nine to attend instead of the usual six. Hmm. A rather sudden move of medium bombers to a heavy bomber field. What does that suggest to you, Weaning? Well, Major... I say they were needed for some special purpose. Something only they could do. Exactly. And something only they could do out of Naples. The B-99s, you know, have a limited range. Certain targets which could not be struck from North Africa could be struck from Naples. Yes, but which targets, Major? Within medium bomber range of Naples, there must be thousands of bombing targets. Oh, no. Not thousands. Not for low-level missions. Low-level missions, Major? Yes. The B-99s are mainly used for low-level attacks. Obviously, they are planning a low-level attack from Naples. We'll see if Sergeant Mason can tell us about that. Now, your name, I see, is Alfred Mason. That's the Sergeant. Your unit number? The name of your organization, Sergeant. It's a perfectly proper question. Uh, yes, sir. It's the, um... 16th Bombardment Squadron. Yeah. And your base? Palermo, Sicily. No doubt you will regret missing out on all the future operations of the 16th Squadron, Sergeant. Uh, I wouldn't like to talk about that, sir. <laughs> Naturally. But you may be sure I shall advise the general strengthening of defenses in uh, northern Italy. Well, I don't know where you got it, sir, but... Reduction, uh... Sergeant. I know those C-99s of yours were built primarily for short-range missions. That's right, sir. And for certain types of targets, a large one? Uh, what do you mean, large one? Industrial target, for example. Oh, no, no, Major. I, I'm afraid you're wrong about that, sir. Yeah, perhaps I don't know so much about that. But I do know what a fool you are. How dare you come into this office and attempt to deceive a German officer? The 16th bombardment, pardon me. You think we're so stupid we don't know you're from the 950th group? Well, and from Naples, Italy. That you came three weeks ago from Tunisia. That, that's not true. You're wrong. Don't stand here and contradict me. Everything you said is life. We know all about the missions you're planning. All about the extra fuel tanks in your plane. Well, we... What a waste of time, those plans of yours. The whole Air Force is as stupid a liar as you are. Yeah? You'll see how stupid we are. You'll find out. Yes, I have every intention of finding out. Your group is getting set for an important mission, isn't it? No, no, I, I didn't mean that. We, we, You're we... going to tell me what they're going to bomb. What and when? Now, look, I don't have to tell you a thing except my name and, and rank and serial number. Sergeant, you know what happens when a prisoner is seen making an escape. Yeah, that's right. He's fired on. That's what your Captain Spencer is about to do, Sergeant. He's about to be shot. Shall we say, while attempting to escape. You're lying. You can see the nation. It's up to you. A few words. I won't tell you a thing. So you can go right on with your bluff. That's all it is. It's just a bluff. It's a bluff. Come to the window and keep yourself. Look. You haven't much time. 
with how little it takes to keep that man alive. Stop it, stop it, will you? Depends on you whether or not they fire. Now, those plans are putting me. What are they? Well, yes, 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 sir. I, I don't know. It was only a guess. What? I don't really... No, wait a minute. I meant I was only going by, by how it looked. You see, right after the mission you were just on, everybody was to have a layoff. And, and all the planes were going to be checked over. I just figured they were getting set for something big, that's all. How long a layoff was it supposed to be? When were the planes to be idle? In, in two days. Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning? There. What's the target? I don't know. Don't lie to me. You do know. What is the target? I tell you, I don't know. you got to believe me. All right. Captain Reading. Oh, geez. No, you can't do that. Don't you understand? I'm telling you the truth. I swear I am. <laughs> featuring members of the United States Army Air Forces on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, maker of better things for better living in two minutes. This is the story of Willie Gluck, which is a German interrogation center for captured American air crews. The story of what happens when one such crew broke the don't talk rule. Our story continues. Major von Bank and Captain Reuning, German intelligence officers, discuss information revealed to them by an American sergeant. Good work, Reuning. For a moment, even I thought it was Captain Spencer before the firing squad. <laughs> Thank you, Major. He dressed up Frelit to act the part. Oh? <laughs> well, Frelit, I think he's a very credible actor. <laughs> Let us proceed. Sergeant Mason gave us quite a bit to work on. Your age is planned for tomorrow morning. Let's uh, look at the map. Yeah. We will leave from here, from Naples. They'll go, well, they to say that B-99 can't penetrate further than this area, 800 miles from the base. And so that's even with the extra fuel tanks they propose to use. Extra fuel tanks? How did you learn about those, Major? Mason told me, or his expression did. I made a stab and it struck. Uh, there was another stab that worked. I suggested that his group was planning only short-range missions, and he assured me I had made a remarkable discovery. <laughs> a very poor liar, that boy. So, a long-range mission. We concentrate on industrial targets. Do you? Yeah. When I suggested just that, the good sergeant assured me I was definitely wrong. Another word of his stupid lies. Cities, then. Sofia, Bucharest, Belgrade, Vienna, and Munich. The next step is to learn which one of these is his target. One more clue is all we need. Yeah, one clue. Yes. I wonder if something occurred to you, Captain Olin. When I talked to Lieutenant Williams, he said something about his flight commander. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Johnson. Yes. He told me Johnson was given a leave just two days ago. This may mean nothing. To what flight commander given leave? For what reason? Lieutenant Williams did not know. He used to think it was routine. Routine? To give a key man a lead just before an important raid? I think not. I think this is our mission crew. Really, I'm sure of it. We must find out why Johnson was taken off. We must find out tonight. And Captain Spencer is our man, I think. He's commander of his crew and therefore would know more about the flight commander. Yes. And whether he likes it or not, Captain Spencer will talk tonight.
sir. We have dined with some of our German pilots. They have served the best food in Dulac Loop. Anything you say, Captain Rooney? Yeah. Hey, this is a mess room. Oh, excuse me, gentlemen. Excuse me. We have a guest. This is Captain Spencer. Herman Goldie, Angle Mark, Huntsman Crowley. Captain Spencer, happy to meet you, sir. Sit down. And why? Thank you, Lieutenant. Uh, you're commander of a B-99, I understand, uh, Captain Spencer. That's right. Ah, then you are a dangerous man. To your health, Captain. And to yours. You know, just as you entered, the commander here was discussing his group's plan to bomb your ammunition dump near Rome. <laughs> he was telling us, Captain Groening, about his squadron leader who planned the mission. The best flyer on our organization, I might add. Yeah. But quite suddenly this morning, just one day before the mission, the man was released at his command. So? What was the explanation? None. None at all. It is very strange. Oh, you put there and I am sure that the man became ill. It is as simple as that. No, but it is not, my friend. He left for Berlin for a holiday, as I understand it. One does not have a holiday when one is too ill to fly. Isn't that right, Captain Spencer? He wouldn't have to be very ill. I know of a case quite similar to this. First, the squadron leader seemed perfectly well. Yes, but a man can have quite a good time, Commander, if all he has is a cold in the head. Cold in the head? Cold in the head? Yes. Yes, I suppose you're right. Uh, by the way, there's a phone call I have to make you. Uh, you'll excuse me, Captain Spencer. But, gentlemen... I'll be right back. Yeah, Mr. Miller. And uh, give the captain some more wine, Lieutenant Friday. He deserves it. Well, what do you make of it, Mr. Fontaine? Johnson was taken off because he had a cold in his head. Of course, it, uh, it doesn't have to be too much of a cold to keep a man out of an oxygen mask. That means high-altitude flying. Yes, but we know that this mission is to be low-level body. Mm-hmm. But sometimes even low-level missions have to climb up there. Mountains. Exactly, mountains. A low-level bombing mission. But to, to get to the objective, they must cross some 50 good sized mountains using oxygen masks. Impossible for a man suffering from a cold. Can we look at the map? Yeah. No mountains on route to Belgrade, Major. No, there, on the way to Budapest. But Munich? Munich? Yeah, that is something else. For in order to come in low over the girding synthetic oil refinery, one must first fly high, quite high above the Austrian Alps. So, Munich it is. Munich, tomorrow morning. And we shall be ready for them, reading. Thanks to our good friend, Captain Spencer. night at the operations office of the American Air Base in Naples. Weary crew members, having returned from the Munich raid, report to an American intelligence office. Go ahead, Lieutenant. They met us about an hour out of Munich. Messers snake all over the place. About eight of them jumped Maxwell and Thomas. They saw them go down burning. Like that all the way to the target. They're getting smaller and smaller. Smith got it... Wilkerson, Marion, Dale and Montgomery and Reynolds. I don't know how many others. Well, there was a tip-off. There had to be a tip-off. Oh, how could there be? There wasn't anybody from this outfit who could reach the Jerry's who, who could talk to him. 
Well, we lost Spencer's crew to the Jerry just the other day. There wasn't a better bunch of guys anywhere than Spencer's crew. Al Mason wouldn't give any information if his life depended on it. And Ralph Cole, why, he'd cut his right arm off for you. That goes to Joe Williams and Jimmy Spencer. You think they'd talk to you nuts? What could they talk about? If we didn't know where we were going or when or how until this morning, how could they have known it three days ago? You don't have to know where or when or how to tell the enemy all he needs to know. You don't even have to be a traitor. You might as well be. All you need to do is relax for one instant. All you need to do is talk. Give anything but your name, your rank, your serial number. What happened to Spencer's crew may happen to any pilot, to any crew, tomorrow or next week or next month. And if it does, remember this. Even though you're a prisoner of war, you're still an American soldier. And you, merely by remaining silent, may be playing a greater part in this war than you ever played before. Your name, your rank, your serial number. Nothing more. That's the moral of our story and the credo of every fighting man in every branch of service. Don't talk. Don't talk. Don't talk. Our cavalcade play tonight was taken from an Army Air Forces training film. Here's a key story about a Navy training film. A drugstore manager now in the Navy was given a job of running a motion picture machine. One of the training pictures he had to show taught men how to aim and fire a rifle. Well, Jones, we'll call him Jones was careful really to study the picture each time he ran it in the machine. Why? Because his company was made up of men from Kentucky and Tennessee, squirrel hunters, most of them, and they could drive a pack at 50 yards with a rifle. But Jones, the drugstore manager, had never gone hunting, never shot a gun in his life. The other men kidded him about the bad showing he was going to make on the target rating. Well, the day came. Out they marched to the range, Jones and the squirrel hunters. And what happened? Jones, who had learned to shoot by running a movie, Scored third high out of the entire company. That's how good these training films can be. And here's Jane Whitman to tell you more about them. The Navy alone now sends from 30 to 60,000 prints of training films each month to training centers, ships at sea, and advanced bases. Sailors can learn more about a complicated subject, like fire control, from a 15-minute movie than they can from a two-hour lecture the Navy finds. As for the Army... Well, 36 green men in the engineer corps, after seeing a training film just once, went out and built a timber trestle bridge so strong that tanks could run over it. Men who had never built a bridge in their lives. 
These training films that have done such a wonderful job in wartime are going to accomplish a great deal for education after the war. In a trade school, a boy will be able to learn the elementary facts about a diesel engine, say, or chemistry, in an unbelievably short time. Girls in business college will learn to take notes and do typing under actual business conditions. With messengers coming and going on the screen, telephones ringing, and all the hubbub of a busy office around them. From kindergarten through college, students will be able to learn more easily and more quickly under the best and latest teaching methods, training films. And many educational pictures in peacetime, like those in wartime, will be photographed on DuPont motion picture films. One of the DuPont company's better things for better living through chemistry. And now, Walter Houston. Next week, the Cavalcade of America will bring you Ida Lupino, a thrilling radio dramatization of Irving Stone's bestseller, Immortal Wife. Story of Jesse Benton Fremont, wife of an army explorer who later became a presidential candidate and a Civil War general. Listen next Monday to Immortal Wife with Ida Lupino on the Cavalcade of America. This is Walter Houston saying thank you and good evening. Cavalcade play was adapted for radio by Ben Kagan from the Army Air Forces training film, Resisting Enemy Interrogation, written by Technical Sergeant Harold Medford. The music was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. This is Jane Whitman sending you best wishes from Cavalcade sponsor, E.I. DuPont, the Nemours and Company of Wilmington, Delaware. Thank you.